we began at the Garden of Eden, we fall to mankind. And since Genesis 3, when he announced that there'd be someone coming from the woman, the woman we'll see, we see in Scripture how God worked through people like Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel prophesying about the new covenant. And we see that we're going to be looking at today in Matthew 1 how Jesus has come to fulfill every promise that God made uh, to his people in the Old Testament through those, through those men and through those people. And, then we, and we're living right now in what is the church age, and we're looking forward to Jesus' second coming or the second advent when he will come and he will make all things new, and then we'll spend eternity with Jesus. So there you go. That's the whole Bible in like a minute. Um, not really, but, um, but that's just, this is just a picture so we can see God has been making promises to his people for a long, long time, and Jesus has fulfilled every one of them or will fulfill every one of them. And it's, it's to help us to draw us to, to trust in God because if God fulfilled his promise in the incarnation, he will fulfill the promises that he has made to us today. And the, namely, the two I want to talk about today is that Jesus has saved us from our sins and that Jesus is God with us. So if you would, just open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And I just want you to read along with me. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the grace that you have given us in the gospel. Lord, I pray that your, your truth would speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that if there's, if there's anyone in here who does not know you, Lord, I pray that you would you draw them in to your fold today. And I pray that you would draw them in, that you would speak to their heart. Lord, for those who do know you, I pray that your, your spirit would comfort them. It would speak truth into their lives, Lord. And I just pray that you would speak through me and that we would... As, as a church, glorify you, and this would not be about us in any way, but this would be about you. Lord, for you, to, to you belongs the glory, the power, and the honor, and the dominion forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So like I said, the points here are, are very simple. Jesus has saved us from our sins, and Jesus is God with us. So I want to take some time and, and really kind of unpack that first one, which is Jesus saves us from our sins. Uh, we see right here that's what that his name means Yahweh saves. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua. So if you see the name Joshua in the Old Testament, if they were to be translated into the Greek, it would be Jesus. So that was Jesus' name, and it means Yahweh saves or God saves. And now names aren't that big a deal in our culture. I mean, they're a big deal. People, you know, we, we all still have names and we use them, but we don't communicate the identity when we're thinking through names. Some people will have and have prayed through that. I mean, Taylor and I have prayed through the name that we gave Joanna, which was Joanna Joy, which means gift of joy. And we pray that, one, that she'll receive the gift of joy in Jesus and that she'll proclaim the gift of joy to others. And we pray that over her. But names, ultimately, around here, is, it's, just, it's just what people give. So maybe it just sounds cool. I know my name, Hunter, I think was named because 
they watched a TV show back in the 80s that had a character named Hunter in it, and they thought that was a cool name, and, and that was it. So, but, th- but back then, names were meant to communicate identity, and from the beginning, we see God is communicating something very clear about himself, is that he is a God who saves. And praise God for that, because we are in need of that salvation. And whether you've been in Christ for a long time or you're sitting there wondering, what in the world do I need to be saved from? Advent is a good season that gives us an opportunity to hear and apply the central truth of our faith, which is the gospel, which is that Jesus saves us from our sins. So what is sin? Well, sin is anything that we do, say, think, or feel that is contrary to the will and nature of God. So what God has laid out in his word, anything that we do, think, feel, or say that is contrary to what God has laid out in his word is sin. In a simple way that Paul says, if anyone knows the right thing to do and does not do it, for him it is sin. And since the fall of mankind that we saw that happened in the garden, when man desired to, to put God out of his place and put himself as God, Sin has been so ingrained in us that the Bible says that we are by nature children of wrath. And as a result, we're living in this realm of brokenness. And we see it so clearly. We have broken relationships with, who God, is, with God. We have broken relationships with others. Divorce, strife, enmity, jealousy. We see that. We have broken relationships with ourselves. We deal with anxiety. We deal, our bodies are broken. We have sickness. We have pain, death. And we deal with brokenness in creation. The ground produces weeds and thorns, and, it, it, and the, the earth has natural disasters that, that cause loss of life. There's just the brokenness that we see. And ultimately, anything that we try to do in our own power to fulfill that brokenness, to, to numb that brokenness, does not work. It could be a good thing that you try or a bad thing you try. At the end of the day, ultimately, it leads back to more brokenness. And if we were to go through this life and to die in our brokenness, we would spend eternity in our broken state, being punished for our sins, justly so, in a place called hell. And I don't, it's, Christmas is a, a time of joy, and I, but it, you got to talk about the bad news of the gospel before you can get to the good news. So why eternity? Why does it have to be eternity? Well, it's, it's eternal punishment because the power of sin is not what you do, but it's who you do it against. Does that make sense? So if I were to just go and slap my brother Bradley in the face... He may slap me back. My parents may just stop buying lunch for us. My mom's cooking lunch right now for us, I think, at home. And they may, not, they may not stop doing that, and Bradley may slap me back. But that's about the scope of that punishment. If I were to slap uh, Donald Trump in the face, I may not even get there. I'd probably be put in jail for assault or something. I don't know what happened. I'd probably be shot by the Secret Service. But if I were to slap a sovereign king in the face, I would probably be beheaded because you don't, just, you don't slap the king. So when we do, when we sin, we sin against God. So when we sin, we sin against eternal being who is all good. So the punishment for sinning against him must be an eternal punishment that is bad. That's the, that's the bad news of the gospel. And the bad news is that we have all sinned, every one of us, and have fallen short of the glory of God. No one does good. No one seeks Righteousness. No one does what God has commanded to, for us to do in, in, in uh, Scripture. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, each and every one of us. But the good news of the gospel is that God provides what he demands. God provides what he demands in Jesus Christ. Because 
Jesus is God. And he saves us from the penalty of sin. So that's the first way that he saves us from sin. Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. Because Jesus was, although he existed in the form of God, he humbled himself and became a man. We can, this, Christmas is a, the celebration of the historical time in humanity when God became a man and dwelt among us. Now, there's many religions that p- proclaim God becoming part of a man, but it's typically a half-God, half-man thing that is a result of some sin that, that the God committed. That's not what we're talking about here. God, Jesus is fully God and fully man, and he became a man and dwelt among us because he wanted to save us. Because he loves us. It's not some messed up thing that you read about in Greek mythology where a God does something with people here. It's not that at all. God became a man. He is fully God. He is fully man. He he dwelt among us. And he lived the perfect life that God has called us to live. He provided what God demanded for us. And then he was obedient even to the point of death by crucifixion. Well, God punished him for our sins. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Because three days later, he rose from the dead in power and victory. He rose from the dead. Jesus is alive today. He is with the Father waiting to return. And when he returns, he will gather his people who have turned from their sins and and place their trust in Jesus. And to those people who have turned from their sins... And have believed in Jesus and surrendered their lives to him. There is victory. There is life. There is righteousness. There is hope, joy, peace forevermore. If you turn from your sins and believe in him. Because if you do this, he gives us his righteousness and his life. And that's, and that's the gospel message in a, in, in a nutshell. But it goes even deeper than that. Because those who turn and believe in Jesus... Jesus gives his Holy Spirit so he can save us from the practice of sin. So Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin, but he also saves us from the practice of sin. Because it makes no sense for us to have, be living in brokenness and sin, to find salvation in Jesus, and to continue living in that thing that was broken. It makes no sense to keep on sinning after you've been in Christ, because we have found what is right, and we no longer have to live in brokenness. So Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his power we can put to death the sin in our lives. And it's not like a, oh man, like I can't do that anymore. It's like, oh, thank goodness I'm not a slave to my sin anymore. I can live the right life that God has called me to live. I can walk in this newness of life. I don't have to live in brokenness anymore. I can recover and pursue God's design because Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit. Because God provides what he demands. We live the righteous life by the power that God gives us through his Holy Spirit. We've been talking a lot about that through our Power of One series. And then lastly, Jesus will save us from the presence of sin. So he saves us from the penalty of sin. He will save us from the practice of sin. And he will save us from the presence of sin. How cool is that? Have you thought about that recently? 
Think about it. That you don't have to be tempted at all. You won't be tempted at all to sin. There would be nothing in you that desires what is wrong. Everything in you wants to worship God and live right. You will have a new body and there will be no sin whatsoever because it has been defeated by Christ and Satan has been defeated and death has been defeated and sin will be defeated. And we'll live in our glorified state and there will be no more death. There will be no more sickness or pain. That's what we get to look forward to. We get to be saved from the presence of sin and all of its brokenness that has come with it. We will be renewed to right relationship with God, right relationship with others, right relationship with ourselves and with creation. He will make all things new. Listen to how the Bible describes what this will be like. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is what we are looking forward to. And that is the gospel. I mean, Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. He is saving us from the practice of sin. And he will save us from the presence of sin. And if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. If you claim to believe in Christ and you are bored with the gospel message, there is something seriously wrong there. You do not have to live in brokenness anymore if you're not in Christ. Jesus is offering the gift of love and forgiveness to all who turn and and place their trust in him. For those who have been saved, he is continually to save us from the practice of sin. We don't have to live in, as a slave to sin anymore. And we look forward to the day when he will make all things new. And there will be no more sin, no more brokenness, no more death, no more pain. That's what we look forward to. That's what Christmas is about. It's not about any of this other stuff. Everything else is secondary to Jesus. Everything else. Because Advent is a season that reminds us of the depth of our sinfulness and our longing to be reconciled with our Creator. It reminds us of the weight of the penalty that we were once under. But also it reminds us of the great salvation that God has graciously provided in the person of Jesus Christ. He is all that you need. He forgives you of your sins. He restores your brokenness. He is all you need because one day he will fully reveal his salvation at his second coming. And the second truth that in this text that comes out is the truth that I think we could meditate on our entire lives and still need more time to understand it all. And it's this, is that Jesus is God with us. Matthew viewed this truth as so important that he began and ended his gospel account with it. So right now in Matthew 1, we're introduced to Jesus, and he is God with us. He is Emmanuel. At the end of Matthew, you know what we hear from Jesus? Behold, I am with you always. He is God with us. And that truth is so profound that we can meditate on our entire lives and still need more time. Listen to the story of the death and the last words of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. He was grasping the hands of those who loved him, and he was repeatedly just telling people he loved them and that he was, you know, he was saying his farewell, saying, I'll see you soon. 
And when nearly all of his strength was gone, it says that he, 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 his reported last words were this. The best of all is God is with us. The best of all is God is with us. So what does that mean for us today? What does it mean for us today that God is with us? Well, one, I want you to know this, is that Jesus gets it. He gets it. He understands the struggles of this life. He gets what you are going through. He understands. He gets it. The Bible refers to Jesus as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Our God is not so far removed that he doesn't understand what we're going through. Because he became one of us, just like you and me. One of the things that blows me away, I'm holding Joanna, and I'm like, I can't believe God became one of these. Just a little baby. Who depended on his mother for life, who cried, who pooped, who, who, who hungered, who thirsted. I don't know if thirsted is a word. I don't think it is. Roll Tide. Um, But God is not so far removed from us that he doesn't understand what we're going through. Because he experienced the deaths of those close to him. Most commentators think by the time Jesus began his ministry, Joseph had passed away. He experienced loneliness and rejection. He experienced false accusations. He experienced temptation in a way that even you and I aren't familiar with. Yet he was without sin, the Bible says. He experienced the pain of betrayal. He experienced persecution. Like I said, he hungered. He was thirsty. He cried. He laughed. He, he understood puberty. He understood just the way that this life is and the brokenness of this world. He gets it. He gets that what we go through is hard. And he went through it himself because he, he's, he's not a God that's he, is far removed from us. He's near he gets it. But not only does he get it, he guides us through them. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 73 is a great psalm of, of Asaph looking around the, the wickedness of this world and just struggling to understand where God is in the midst of it. But he understands that, that God is with him and that he's holding his right hand through it and that it is good for us to be near to God. So what we do in response to this truth is, is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we press into God's word. In this book is everything that you need to know about this life that pertains to godliness. Everything that you need to know about this life that pertains to godliness is found in this book. It's not just old words that are in this book that was written long ago. They speak powerfully to our lives today. And people are transformed by it. There is great power in the word of God because it is truth. We no longer have to search for truth. We have truth in God's word. And so when we press into his word prayerfully, we receive the guidance uh, that God gives us through our day-to-day -day struggles. But not only does he guide us through our struggles, he comforts us in the midst of them. There's a lot of things in this world that don't go the way that we want it to go. Because this world we're living in is still dealing with the effects of the brokenness of sin. 
We're living in between salvations. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the practice of sin, but we will one day be saved from the presence of sin. We're in exile right now. We're strangers in a foreign land. This world is not our home. And if we keep trying to make this world a home and put all of our, our stock in this world, we will only find despair and hopelessness. Our hope is in Christ and what he will establish at his second coming. That is what we look forward to. That is our true home. And if you're in Christ and you're, and you're not looking there and you're trying to look here, you will never be satisfied because your spirit, the spirit testifies with your spirit that that's, this is not your home and that is my home. And through that, he comforts us. Because we, when we're battling loneliness, when we're battling grief and despair and hopelessness and sickness and pain, Jesus comforts us. So in this time of exile, as we look forward to the future, Jesus is walking with us. He's guiding us through it. and He's comforting us, speaking to us tenderly through his word. Comforting us. Comforting us when, we, when we're crying, when we're, when, we, when we're struggling, when we feel lonely. He's comforting us. Because you know why? He loves you. Jesus loves you. It's so, such a simple sentence, and it kind of gets made fun of because it's in a, you know, a song that we all sing from when we're kids. But it's so true and so powerful. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He cares for you. It's not that he's distracted with the bigger things in this world. He cares about those things too, but he also cares about you. He cares about your heart, what you're going through, the pain that you're experiencing, the burden that you feel. Jesus cares about you, and he wants to comfort you in the midst of that. And then the best of all is that he will be there at the end of all of these struggles. Like I said, the last words of this gospel, and behold, I am with you always. Once in Christ, nothing could separate you from him. He is with us always. As we seek to make disciples, he is with us, empowering us through his Holy Spirit. When we wake up, we know that he is with us. And when we go to bed, we know that he is with us, regardless of how good or bad that day is. I don't know about you, but if there's been days, there's been seasons in my life when I just have really struggled. Just really, I mean, just struggling. And I'm just, you know, wondering, man, can God really be with me today? And God's word says, if you're in Christ, he's with you always. If you're struggling with sin, yes, he's, he doesn't want you to remain in that sin. And he's leading you in the repentance, which could be a painful process, but he is with you. Guiding you through it. Empowering you to put to death the sin that you're struggling with. If you're grieving the loss of a loved one, maybe this is the first Christmas that you're going through without somebody. He's, he's comforting you with, with you. He's comforting you in the midst of that. He's walking through this process with you. And he will be there at the end of it. Because there will be a day when he will put to death all of the brokenness that is in this world. Right? There will be no more sin. There will be no more death. 
or pain or sickness. All the things that cause us hurt and burden in this life will be put to death and will be made new and we will have a glorified body and we will never experience the pains of the brokenness that we experience today again because Christ will have made an end to it. That's what we look forward to. And when we take that into our lives and we believe it with all that we are, the whole outlook on life that we have changes. It changes literally everything. I want to just play, we're going to play a song right here um, that has really ministered to my heart this week. I mean, it's really just spoken to me. I've listened to it, I mean, over and over and over again as I've been preparing for this. And I wanted to play it for you uh, with hopes that it would minister to you as well. So we're going to play it. It's going to be on the screen and there'll be lyrics that you can follow along with. Such amazing
love that song. Such a simple song. It's just the truth that God has come to dwell with us. It's so powerful. And I don't know where you're at today. And honestly, maybe you're at your breaking point. Maybe the grief that you're dealing with is just too much. Pain that you're experiencing, you like it, it's just burdening you, and it, and it's just it's holding you. You feel like it's holding you down. Maybe the sin struggle that you've been dealing with, you've been fighting against, you've been praying about, you've been seeking God's word, and and you can't just seem to get a grasp on it. And you think, man, I think it's just this is just how it's going to be for the rest of my life. Maybe you're dealing with just crippling anxiety and depression. Maybe you're struggling, you and your spouse are struggling to get pregnant. And you just just don't understand. Maybe you're dealing with a sickness that you just, why the doctors don't know what's wrong. I've tried everything. Maybe you're dealing with loneliness. You just feel so alone. No one gets what you're going through. Maybe your spouse has served you the divorce papers, or maybe your, your kids are rebelling. You just don't know what to do. I don't know what you're going through, and I wish I could give you answers to all of it, but I, I can't, but I will tell you this is that God became a man to save you from your sins and all the brokenness that results from our sins. And that if you're in Christ, He is with you, He is with you, He is with you. You are not alone. You have hope. There is comfort to be found in Him. There is joy. There is peace. He has saved you from your sins. He is saving you from the practice of sin. If you're struggling against sin, keep on struggling. Keep on fighting. Rely on the Spirit. Struggle against it. Don't give in. If you're, if you're battling grief or, or, or despair, keep pressing in to Jesus. Whatever you're going through, run to Jesus. He is God with us. He will save you from your sins. He is saving us from the practice of our sins. He will save us from the presence of our sins. And he will put to death one day. I've said this multiple times, and it's worth saying again and again, that one day Jesus will come back and he will put to death sin, death, pain, sickness, all of it destroyed forever and ever. And in him, we will have joy forevermore. Our prayers will no longer be things that we're struggling with, wondering if God is hearing us, but our prayers will be face to face with our God and our Savior. There will be no more need for the sun because God will be our light. There will not be more darkness. There will not be any, anything that symbolizes the brokenness of this world, but it will be all restored and glorified because he will make all things new. And he will be our God and we will be his people. 
That is our hope. We're exiles right now. Christmas is about the coming of the Messiah. The coming of the one who will save us from our sins. The coming of God with us. And that is what we rest in. Now I want you to listen to this promise from Romans 8. These words that give so much hope. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for his all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We were regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God for Jesus' love. He has saved us from the penalty of sin. If you have turned from your sins and believed in Him. He is saving us from the practice of sin. And he will one day save us from the presence of sin. If you have turned from your sins and have believed in him. And if you are in Christ, he is God with us.